Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 57. This week, we get to explore a great Caribbean port that many Royal Caribbean ships sail to and even depart from, and that, of course, is San Juan, Puerto Rico. Let's discuss the many things to do in San Juan, where to stay, where to eat, and why this is such a great port to visit. Here we go. I've been lucky enough to visit the port of San Juan, Puerto Rico a number of times, and this week I wanted to talk about what there is to see and do in San Juan. And this idea actually was inspired by one of our listeners a couple of weeks ago, asked us about what there is to do, maybe focus on the port of San Juan. We did an episode a couple of weeks back, and I'll link to it in our show notes on royalcaribbeanblog.com, about the port of St. Martin, and that is, and that's in that episode, one of my favorite ports, and I think San Juan is definitely on my favorite port list as well. Now, for those who aren't aware, San Juan is the capital of Puerto Rico, which is, of course, is part of the United States. It's a commonwealth of the United States, which basically means it. They're, everyone who lives in Puerto Rico are you citizens of the United States. They just can't vote, I believe, in elections. But otherwise, they're pretty much got every right and everything else that goes on with being a citizen of the United States. But anyway, as for Americans that are visiting the port, it's great because it's, it's like visiting home. It's just like visiting another state, essentially. And you get the, all the benefits of having a secure area, which is always nice. You get to visit a port. It's a beautiful island. And when we're talking about San Juan, by the way, we also have to define what we're talking about because there's old San Juan and there's San Juan. In terms of cruising, we're talking about old San Juan. Old San Juan is the historical part of the city. It's the part of the city that was essentially built by the Spanish when they first colonized the island of Puerto Rico. And it's the part where you're going to visit. Now, when we're talking about San Juan, there's a couple things we probably have to keep in mind. One of them is geography. So if your cruise is coming to San Juan for the day, meaning you originated somewhere else and you're just going into the port, and then maybe you're leaving that day or sometimes they stay overnight, it's been known to happen, then you're going to be visiting a different port than if you're departing. If you're coming into San Juan, you'll be visiting the port of San Juan. But if your cruise leaves from San Juan, like Jewel of the Seas and Adventure of the Seas sometimes do, then you're leaving from the Pan-American Pier. Basically, the port of San Juan, the one that you're going there for the day, that one's actually in the old city. Whereas the Pan-American Pier is across the inlet from there, and it's actually near the airport. A different airport. It's not the airport you usually fly into. That's a different. I know we're <laughs> going to get confusing here, but... Trust me that it's not as close, and this one will require a little different means of getting around. The good news is, for anyone who's going to San Juan just for the day, you'll be dropped off right in old San Juan, no problem. You can start walking and exploring the city on your own. If you're going to be in a cruise that departs San Juan, like again, the Jewel of the Seas, Adventure of the Seas example I gave you earlier, you're going to be departing from the Pan American Pier, and that's going to require a little more walking. Basically, if you're already in old San Juan, you're going to need a taxi to get over there. My recommendation is, if you're coming from the airport or you're coming from old San Juan, you will need a taxi to get there, and... It's one of those things where if you're departing there, it's probably best to stay somewhere else in San Juan and just on the day that you're actually leaving on the cruise to go take a taxi to the pier. There's really nothing around there, and it's not really a touristy area to begin with. It's fairly industrial, so it's just literally a pier. And I'm not exactly sure why there's a distinction between the two different ports. I just know that if your cruise leaves San Juan, it's, it's your departure port, then you're leaving from Pan American. Otherwise, you're in the regular pier in the old city. So let's talk about the old city and kind of and kind of the layout of the city and everything like that. If you look at San Juan on a map, the old city is in the northwest corner. It's basically the old part of the city, and then the rest of the city builds out eastwards. And really, for tourists, most of what you're going to want to do is going to be located in the old city. Again, the old city is that part that is, again, if you're looking at a map, it's probably the best way to explain this. It's this kind of um, peninsula that jets out from really metro San Juan, you know, the city that actually functions and does stuff. But the old port is really where you're going to be doing most of your, your 
sightseeing. It's got all the sights in there. And again, the great thing about San Juan is because it's an American port, lots of great security here. You don't have to necessarily worry that much about uh, crime or, or anything else, any more than you would worry about visiting about crime in, I don't know, you know, Miami, as an example. It's a great city, in fact. It's a great walking city. And the only thing is, of course, with walking, again, this stuff was built in like the 1500s. So the old city isn't exactly keen on if you have mobility issues. Like if you've got a wheelchair, you're probably going to need to rely on ground transportation like taxis as opposed to people that maybe if you don't have any issues with, or you don't need a wheelchair, walking is a great way to see the city. Now, the other thing is the city is kind of – Old San Juan is kind of built on a hill. And I believe there's a reference. You know, I think if you know your history, there was the charge of up the old San Juan Hill. But anyway, it's basically on a hill. And where the port is, if you're doing the day trip, so in the regular San Juan Pier, you're basically at the bottom of the hill. And, if, and as you go north, you're going up the hill. So one of the most famous parts of old San Juan is the Castillo del Moro, which is a castle. It's a fort at the very northwest point. And that's basically all the way on the top of the mountain and the the or the hill, really, and the hill goes down from there. So there's a lot of walking, and going up is kind of difficult. So what a lot of people recommend, I think it's a great way to do it, is even if you're getting dropped off at the port again, down at the bottom, essentially, of Old San Juan, take a taxi up to the top, up to Del Moro, and start there, and then you work literally down. You'll be all going downhill and a lot easier to deal with because going up those hills, it's brutal, I'll tell you that, and especially since it's usually warm in San Juan most of the year, you know, you're probably going to want to make sure that you go downhill. Just trust me, it'll be easier on everybody involved if you do that. So what is there to do in San Juan? Well, there's a lot, actually. There's a lot of historical things. San Juan is a great city for two things, walking and exploring, that's one, actually. And two is historical sites. There's a lot of historical sites. And there's a lot of great shops. There's a lot of great restaurants. I mean, it's one of the better cities, in fact, to really explore. And there's a lot to do here. Now, if you're interested in going to the beach, you'll say, Matt, I just want to go to the beach. I don't really care about exploring or I'm not really keen on you know hiking. It's going to be a bazillion degrees there because we're going in the summer. Whatever the reason is, that's okay. There are actually some great places to go to the beach. They're just not in old San Juan. Old San Juan has... If they have a beach, you don't want to go there. Let's put it that way. So if you're interested in swimming, here are some couple of recommendations you probably want to look at. Basically, it's an area called Condado, and the other one's called Isla Verde. And they're basically these strips of – they're basically in, in New San Juan, essentially, if you want to call it that. And they're strips of beaches that are, have huge high-rise hotels. You're going to need a taxi ride. You don't want to walk there, trust me. And it'll probably take about – 10 minutes, so maybe 15 minutes, maybe a little longer if you're going during your rush hour, but it's the best way to do this, and just tell them you want to go to a beach on, again, Condado, C-O-N-D-A-D-O is really the best place to go. I've also heard about Isla Verde, not my perfect place, I I can't vouch for it, I can just tell you that Condado is really the place to go, and probably one of the better options uh, if you're interested as well. So again, and, and I always refer people when you're looking at what port to visit, always visit sites like you know TripAdvisor and kind of take a look at what's some of the best or better uh, options for you in terms of you know uh, a beach. But probably the best beach, if you want to go for that, is just tell the cabbie, hey, I need to go to one of these areas, again, either Isla Verde or Condado, and tell them you know you want to go to one of the hotels there. There's the Ritz-Carlton. There's the El San Juan. Basically, the beaches are all on the – the hotels are all on the beach, but the beach is public access, so you can go there no problem at all, and they can usually recommend a good one for you. And, it, again, the beaches are beautiful in San Juan. It's really hard to pick up one that's better than the other. But I, I you know, put, get in that area, and you can walk around and kind of find one that's, that's perfect for you. So in terms of the city, though, and really I think in terms of what your Royal Caribbean Cruise is offering you, I would probably bet 
that San Juan is the port that you want to do some exploring. Save the beach stuff for other islands you're going to be visiting. Usually, because the problem with the Eastern and Southern Caribbean is there's not a whole lot of history in other islands, and there's not a whole lot of exploration involved. This is one of the few, and so that's why I like to mix it up a little bit. But again, like if my sisters were with me, they'd want to go to the beach. They don't want to. They don't want to explore. So teach their own, I suppose. So. Best things to do in Old San Juan. All right, first and foremost, we got to talk about El Moro. El Moro is the fortress. It's There's actually two of them. There's uh, El Moro, and there's also a San Cristobal. They're essentially very similar to each other. El Moro is the bigger one. It's the more famous one. It's the one you really want to go to. And if you were going to see both, it'd pretty much kind of be more of the same. So I'd recommend going to see El Moro. Again, it's easier to see because it's right at the top of the hill, and it just makes touring of the rest of the city so much easier. It's a beautiful fort. It's ancient. It was built in, like, 1500s. It's great. It's great for kids. It's one of those things. Actually, it's a U.S. park, so it only costs you a couple dollars, actually, to get in. But once you're in, it's really some fantastic viewing of the of the city itself of the ocean of the entrance of the pier really worth it probably knock it out in about an hour or two at the most but it's a great place to start and i think it's one of the best things that you need to do from there so from that point on you're going to start walking down basically back towards the cruise ship and you can walk around laterally and, and you know down as, as you move forward but what i love about old san juan is exploring the city kind of getting lost if you will in terms of going to see the you know just walk around and see, see where, where the path takes you. There are definitely plenty of stores that sell the usual type of you know San Juan t-shirts and all that tourist trap merchandise you can usually get, which is fine. You know, it's always good stuff for friends and everything. But anyway, if you really want to see the city, here's a couple things that really stood out to me when I visited there. So first and foremost is this place called Parque de las Palomas, which is actually a, a little park. It's, not, it's pretty innocuous on its own. The thing about it is it's famous for its pigeons. Now, I don't like birds at all. I don't want pigeons. I don't want birds in general to touch me. I don't want to touch pit birds. But it's a pretty cool thing because it's one of these little tradition, tradition kind of things there. Basically, it's located near the Capilla del Cristo, which is a church, on the end of Cristo Street. It's a small little park. But what's unique about this is there's tons, and I mean tons, of pigeons here. And for like a dollar, you can get pigeon food. And the pigeons will not only come near you, they will land on you. It's great for photo opportunities. It's kind of really cool, actually, in kind of a way. We went there with my wife and my in-laws, and they all didn't mind getting touched by, by birds. And it's kind of a cool little thing. It's something very unique, and it, it makes for great photos, certainly. So kind of something that you might want to enjoy a little bit. Also, the, the park itself is pretty beautiful. There's some really old trees that are there that kind of like have twisted and turned over the years. And it's, it's a pretty unique thing. And it also offers, in addition to that, it kind of overlooks the uh, San Juan Bay Great views. Again, it's, it's a fun little place to go. It costs you like a dollar, so it's basically, essentially it's free, and it's something that's a very San Juan thing to do, so to speak, and definitely something to, to see there. Now, for history buffs, I would also recommend the Governor's Mansion, which has, I think, the name of La Fortaleza Palicio de Santa Catalina. Yeah, Governor's House is fine. Good, and the other good thing about, by the way, about Puerto Rico is although everyone speaks English, or speaks Spanish, rather, in San Juan, English is very much well-spoken in San Juan, so you won't have any problems if you don't speak Spanish at all. They'll know what you're talking about. So the Governor's House is a great little place. It's the Governor of San Juan lives here. It's basically the White House of San Juan. And what's cool about this place is it's been used for many, 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 many years. And, I, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful grounds. There's a 20-minute tour that you can take, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's just of the grounds. It, it tells you a little bit about the history. Great photos. I'll put a, post a link, actually, in our show notes to my day that I spent in San Juan before I went to my Jewel of the Seas cruise. 
And what's cool about it is it it was actually free when I did it. I've heard that it may cost like $3. I'm not sure how the pricing works. But when I did it, it was free. They didn't ask for any money. I think we, there was maybe a donation at the end, a tip, if you will. But it's a beautiful – they're beautiful grounds. I mean, really, the for photos on a nice day, man, it's, it's you really can't beat it. It gives you a good idea of old Spanish architecture in the new world. And, you know, it's about 20 minutes. It's not really that – bad it's only like, you know a couple hours or anything like that so it's definitely something i think that is is worth seeing and it's just a beautiful thing to to partake in now, the other thing is when you're in puerto rico one of the you know talk about what to do in puerto rico well if you're not eating constantly <laughs> then there's something wrong and you want to make sure you partake in as much of the food as you can i love exploring cities and i love partaking in their local cuisine one of the big foods that you're going to see a lot of in in san juan is a food called mofongo mofongo is a puerto rican food actually it's probably you'll see it in other islands as well in the caribbean but in Puerto Rico, it's a food that's basically crushed plantains that comes out. It basically looks like it has, it has a consistency of hard mashed potatoes, but usually comes along with usually uh, some sort of a meat or a fish, pork, beef, octopus, tilapia, whatever, uh, mahi-mahi. There's a ton of different varieties that you can get. It's one of those great foods. It's great street food, something you can just grab and go, and I'm really a big fan of it. I seek it out now all the time. I've been there quite a number of times. And you can get anywhere. I mean, there's, there's, you'll have sit-down restaurants that will offer it. There'll be street carts that offer it. I don't think you can go wrong. It's like one of those things. You're in there. I mean, everywhere that offers it is really, really good. And I think it's definitely worth investigating and, and trying it. you got to try it out as well. The other thing was I tried on my last trip. I had I wanted to try more authentic foods. I, had, I know when I liked the Mofongos from an earlier trip. So I tried something called Alcapurias, which is basically a fried beef patty and it, it was it was amazing it, it kind of reminded me of a jamaican beef patty but this these were fried as opposed to the beef jamaican patties which are more like baked anyway they were amazing and again just trying these foods and they're all really inexpensive that's another great thing about puerto rico is it's fairly inexpensive especially for just you know food and little knickknacks here and there but again this is all about exploring the city and i think that's really one of the more the great things about San Juan, that's what I love about it, is that I've been there a number of times and I haven't come close to seeing it all. There's just so much to see and do there. Now, you're talking about again exploring, the other thing you want to check out is the San Juan Gate. A long time ago when San Juan was this formidable city and this fortress, you got to remember San Juan was basically the center, the epicenter of Spanish dominance of the New World. And here they built a wall. San Juan is a walled city and they built this huge wall. But if you built a wall into the city, you got to have a way to get into the city. And... If you managed to get on land, they had a number of gates. There were actually, I believe, three. And today there's only one left. But what's really cool about it is that you get to walk around the walls and through the gate. It's pretty impressive. And the wall goes all the way around the old city. And it's a really cool thing to and free and beautiful to really enjoy and take photos of. Great stroll, especially when the weather is cooperative. The problem with San Juan is it can get very, very warm. It's warm there almost all year round. But if you're there maybe in the wintertime, or maybe in the spring or late fall when temperatures aren't so bad. It's a great place for a walk. And I just, I, it, it, it's really beautiful. And you really got to check this out. And the San Juan Gate is probably one of the cooler places to go check out because it's just, it, it's beautiful. It's one of those things you have to see for yourself. And I think it's definitely on my list of things that I love to do in San Juan. And, you know, lastly, to round things out here, I'll probably recommend one more thing. And I think that's going to be the Paseo de la Princesa, which is a, it's been restored, but it's a 19th century Esplanada, and it's one of those, again, beautiful things you have to see. It's a great place for a walk, again, everything's about walking here, but it's great to be able to walk here. There's a lot of history involved, 
and it's just it's beautiful really the, i mean when you have the name when you have the word princessa in your name that kind of tells you it's pretty impressive and i think this is a great place to go check out and again all this is something that you know you kind of have on your map and even on your phone because again in, this is part of the united states many phone operators major carriers will actually let you your cell phone will work here no problem at all if you're an american so that's a really cool effort for, for including your price, I should say. They'll, they'll work almost anywhere, but usually it costs money here. I know that at least AT&T and Sprint are totally cool with working here because it is part of the United States. So you can you know, kind of keep an idea on your phone map and can see where you are. But this is, again, a, the Paseo de la Princesa is a great place to go check out for yourself. And there's just so much. That's what I, I hope that at least you're getting the idea that when you're in Old San Juan, you got to do a lot of walking to really enjoy everything that's in this city and just explore. Get yourself lost a little bit and just give yourself plenty of time to get back to that, to that ship. Now, if you are sailing out of San Juan, if this is your departure port, as I mentioned earlier, then there may be some other things to keep in mind. I flew in the day before to get, you know, for a number, I always fly in the day before my, my cruise anyways as a good measure, but we also wanted to explore a little bit. And if you're looking for a place to stay, there's a lot of hotels. Many of them are not in old San Juan. It's kind of just, you know, it's an old city. There's not a lot of, they're not building new things in an old city generally. However, there are some hotels that are definitely available for you. And if you're looking, we stayed in the old city, we paid a premium for it. But we wanted to do that because we didn't want to have to pay for taxis to get back and forth all the time. So we were okay with it. So there's probably two major hotels that are worth checking out in the old city. One is the one we stayed in, which is the Sheridan Old San Juan. I think we paid like 150 or $200, somewhere in that ballpark, per night. It was one night, so we were willing to do it. It was a nice hotel. It's actually built into – there's a casino that's attached to it if you were into that thing. We didn't do any of that gambling. But what's great about it is we took – the taxi from the airport, we got dropped off, dropped off our luggage, and then bam, we were in the old city, we were ready to explore, we were able to check it out. And San Juan's a great city in nighttime also. Very safe, and there's a lot to check out. So that's a great hotel if you want. The other hotel in the old city that's worth checking out is the El Convento. And it's just, again, just like the Sheridan, they can get fairly expensive. So it's kind of an issue where you're going to be paying a little bit more. A lot of people stay in one of two other areas outside of the old city of San Juan. One is the one I mentioned earlier, which is Condado. And this is more of a beach area. There's, it's literally there's a on the beach. Or if you want to save a little more money, you can stay in this area called Miramar, which is more inland. There's no beach really to speak of. And if you want to go to the beach or old San Juan, you're going to need a cab ride, essentially. So it kind of depends what your, your, what your price range is and what you want to do. Some people want to save some money. They'll stay in a place like Miramar, which is nice. It's just not going to be anything. There's no beach. And there's no old city next to you. Or you go up to Condado and enjoy the beach there. It's definitely more of a touristy area, no question about it. Or you go for the old city. But again, prices may dictate the options for you there are other hotels in the old city they're more they're smaller and again good research and figuring out where the deals are and what you're comfortable with may dictate what's available to you so that'll wrap up our look at the old city of san juan it's a beautiful port if you get a chance to visit there i highly recommend it As always, I want to thank everyone who's listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for being a part of this. You know, it's so much fun to be able to do this show. So I'm so glad many of you are a part of it. And, of course, we have some great emails to share. So let's get right into it. First email is from Mike Dunphy. Hey, Matt, quick question. What are the food and snack options while at Coco Cay? I recall with fondness how wonderful the options are at Disney's Island of Castaway Key. Is there any special foods that are not to be missed? So Coco Cay offers... This basic food option is a buffet op lunch, and the buffet lunch is just like in Disney's Private Island. It's offered from 11:30 to like 1:30, and it's your burgers, hot dogs, and everything like that. I'm not a huge fan of any of these island, private island buffets, be it Disney, be it Royal Caribbean. I'm just, I mean, it's burgers and whatever. And inevitably, what I tend to do is go back to the ship for lunch. Now, this is much easier 
and Labity because you're docked. So you can just literally walk back. And if you want, walk back to the island and go back swimming or whatever you're doing. On Coco Cay, you need to take a tender back, so it's a little more time invested. So it kind of depends. Personally, I go back to the ship, and but we're not huge beach people. We like to go for a couple hours, get our fix, and head back out. But it is worth mentioning that you can eat on the island, and there are some... It's not bad food or anything. I'm just not a huge burger and hot dog kind of guy, with, especially when I know there's so much great food in the Windjamer to check out. So I, I tend to go back over there, honestly, just being uh, clear with you. The other thing is, of course, just like Labadee has Labadoozy, Coco Cay has the Coco Loco, same basic concept of the drink. It's a frozen drink that tastes amazing. <laughs> you put booze in it, and then the afternoon just flies by. So there's the buffet. That's basically your your main choice right there as to what to eat on Coco Cay. So hopefully that answers your question there for you, Mike. Next, we have an email from Stephanie Ozine. I have three kids, so we need a travel agent to help us find out the elusive family staterooms of 55 people. I use a travel agent to book our upcoming cruise on Navigator this season out of Galveston next spring. I was also looking at the Panama Canal cruises, and the family staterooms were sold out over a year in advance. I asked my travel agent what we need to do to get one of these rooms, but she didn't have any suggestions. This made me think maybe she doesn't book cruises all that often. How does Royal Caribbean publish their schedule of upcoming cruises? What do you think I should do if I want to get a cabin that's in high demand like that? Do you have an agent that specializes in cruises that's willing to share? Thanks for the podcast and all the help. So the family staterooms that you're talking about is actually wonderful. I stayed in one on Navigator of the Seas. So I think you probably know, Stephanie, and it was amazing. Now, we lucked into it. I was looking at the cruises. We were looking at what the book. They happened to be available. Those family ocean view staterooms are available on select ships that offer them. Usually the Voyage class is one of them. And the cool thing about them is they're usually they're, they're meant for five to six people, which I think in your case might be the case, which would be perfect. In our case, we only have three people, but when you get really close to the end of a or the beginning of a sailing, so I think we were only like a couple months out at that point, and they hadn't booked, they opened them up to the general public. In fact, when I called Royal Caribbean, I booked it through my travel agent, and then I called Royal Caribbean later, asked them some, I don't remember what I asked them, and the agent looked at my reservation and said, "Wow, you guys got a." family ocean view stateroom there's only three of you in there that's really rare so it is one of those high demand things and like any high demand cabin or stateroom if, that you're interested in there are a couple things you probably don't want to keep in mind one book as early as you possibly can schedules for cruises usually come out there for at least for cruises that sail out of the united states you're looking about they have the schedule out for about two years in advance give or take depends on when you book them and you know how you time things but generally speaking they'll have at least a schedule out for the next two years and that'll give you some obviously the sooner you can book it the better your options are as i look on royalcaribbean.com on the recording day i'm recording this podcast you can book cruises all the way to 2016 the beginning of so it's probably the next what 14 to 16 to 18 months that we're talking about really that you have to work with so what you want to do is obviously put if you can make a deposit on something you want well in advance if you know it now if you get closer in because you're like me i don't book my cruises you know 16 generally i don't book my cruises 16 months in advance although i have done it in the past then the next thing you're going to want to do is you're going to want to make sure if it's not available is you want to work with a travel agent or royal caribbean travel agent is better to put you know if there's a waiting list or some way that you can keep checking essentially it's just like a car rental or anything like that you got to keep checking on to see what's available inventory changes quite often and it's just one of those things. It's a game, really, is what you're playing, and you're trying to see what's going to be available. The further out you can book, the better the chances. When I booked, as an example, Jewel the Seas, it was a hump cabin, and we talked about this before. These are the cabins with huge balconies. They're in high, high demand. We booked that cabin, I think, like a little more than a year in advance. The cruise in September, I think we booked it in June of the year before. So that gives you an idea. And we were able to get pretty much any cabin we wanted. Now, 
With that in mind, you'll probably need that kind of a window if you want to book something well, well in advance. Now, to answer your other question about the travel agent, our sponsor for RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com is MEI Travel. They are a paid sponsor of ours, and I've used them to book my cruises, so I can definitely recommend their services. But you know, I think what you really want to do with any travel agent, especially if you're looking for one that specializes in cruises, talk to them. You don't have to book something in order to talk to them. You know, contact them via their website. Say, hey, I'm interested in booking these things. Give them a couple questions. If they answer them to your satisfaction, if they sound like, yeah, they know what they're talking about, then keep going and, and use their services. So that's something you should definitely look into. And that's probably the best place to start if, if I were you and kind of, you know, book around. You don't have to feel like you need to book something and then realize, oh, they, this wasn't what I was looking for. Because again, you're looking for a connection here. This is a personal thing. And I always recommend using travel agents in general. They make your life so much easier. And when I'm booking cruises, I always, always, always use a travel agent because it's just, again, it makes my life easier. The convenience factor, it costs you as the guest nothing extra. Royal Caribbean pays them. So I don't see a reason why not to. And I'm hoping that will help. But again, Stephanie, if you don't, if you have any more problems, feel free to email me. I'll be help. I'll be happy to help you out there. And maybe we can work something out in terms of helping you figure out the best way to get your next cruise booked. Next, we have an email from Tony who writes, Matt, thank you very much for recommending Leo Brown and St. Martin. We had a great tour with him and would not hesitate to recommend him or use Leo again. Leo is the only tour guide that I know to talk who can talk to the St. Martin Fire Department to move their fire truck while finishing up putting out a fire so we can continue on our tour. Thanks again. Tony, that is an awesome story, and I'm glad that Leo worked out for you. He's a great guy, and I always recommend people to check him out if you're on St. Martin. It's just one of those gems that I happen to run across. Next, we have an email from Christopher Percy, who writes in episode 54 about Danielle's Allure of the Sea cruise. It sounds like Danielle's really looking forward to her upcoming cruise on Allure of the Seas. The current WOW program is a terrific bargain and not one to be missed by families with children. We booked Brilliance of the Seas, cruising the Baltics back in May and 2015, looking forward to the adventure. We're really enjoying the 99 Days of Quantum. What an amazing ship. And Christopher, thank you for mentioning not only, of course, the episode that we had Danielle on, but also the 99 Days of Quantum, which is a series that we're doing on Royal Caribbean Blog. You want to go check that out. Basically, every day, we're posting a brand new blog post all about something about Quantum of the Seas. And it's been a lot of fun because it, it makes me creatively, I've got to be, i got to come up with something every day. And I'm really enjoying it. I hope you are, too, because it kind of gives you a different look at how amazing this ship is going to be. So... Very much appreciate that you're enjoying that. And always great to hear from you, Christopher. Really appreciate that. Let's go to our Facebook page. We've got a message from Tony Scholar. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Hey, Matt. Fantastic podcast, especially the high-tech gadgets on the Quantum class. So I started thinking Oasis Specialty Store has Coach. Allure has a guest store. And since Quantum teamed up with Microsoft, do you think this is going to be the world's first Microsoft store on board? Can't wait for the Anthem Cruise on December 2015 to check everything out for myself. Thanks for an amazing podcast. Look forward to upcoming episodes. Thank you, Tony. That'd be a great idea because, as Tony mentions, you know, each ship on the Royal Promenade has these specialty stores. And would a Microsoft store make sense? Because, of course, if you, I'm not sure if I mentioned on the other episode, but Royal Caribbean teamed up with Microsoft to give away like 40,000 new Microsoft tablets to its crew to you. So obviously there's an arrangement here between Royal Caribbean and Microsoft as business partners. So would a Microsoft store, which is similar to like, you know, if you've seen the Apple stores in your mall, they sell Microsoft wares there on board. That would be very interesting, you know, and I could see that totally making sense. So, you know, I don't, I'm not, I never claim to be, uh, have a crystal ball in these kinds of things, but I would love that kind of idea because, you know, to be able to play with it. And of course, with the high speed internet, you can go on right there and test it out and, you know, having that kind of tablet right there, you know, a lot of people enjoy those kind of spot-on purchases, and hey, it makes sense to me. So, Tony, I hope they use your idea there, buddy. Appreciate it. 
Let's go to our email, and that's uh, from Paul Westbrook, good friend of ours. Paul from East Brunswick, New Jersey. Matt, thanks for bringing us all Royal Caribbean fans together and for the wonderful blog and podcast. Quick question. What is it about the steps on the Royal Caribbean ships that make them so hard to climb? Is it something scientific, mental, or a devilish plan by the ship's designers? I hit the gym and treadmill while cruising. Not as hard. My kids are very fit, but they're stumped. Climbing upstairs on the ships makes me want to crawl into a fetal position two flights up and just pass out. Maybe it's the food baby I create in my belly at dinner, but it seems to be hard to climb those stairs all day long. Perhaps you can solve the mystery. A big thank you. <laughs> you know, I just think they're just, it's one of those things. I think, first of all, I always use the stairs when I can. It's just you know, an easy way to burn off a couple calories, and then I can totally justify dinner one at Izumi and then eating regularly in the main dining room or one of the specialty restaurants later on. But, you know, it's... I don't know. Maybe it's just that vacation thing. You know, you're you're out in the pool or you're relaxing. You're doing so much stuff, and you know, stairs are stairs. Going up is, is difficult. So, yeah, I can't explain it, Paul. But you know, it's one of those things where if that's the worst thing I can complain about my Royal Caribbean cruise, then that's a really great vacation right there. So, thanks very much, Paul. I think we'll wrap things up with this email from Mick who writes, Great timing with your latest podcast. We're about to travel to the United States and take a cruise on Freedom one month to go. The only downside is how short the cruise is. Most of our cruises here from Australia are 11 plus days. Personally, we have a 13, 14, and 18 day cruise that I've done from Hawaii to Sydney, so that left us seven days definitely feels short. We're looking forward to seeing how big the ship is. We've only cruised on Rhapsody and Radiance, both very small in comparison. Keep up the good work. I have lots of podcasts to catch up on. Maybe I will take them with me and listen on board. You know, Mick, it's absolutely true compared to cruises that go out of the South Pacific and even the Mediterranean. Cruises in the United States are fairly short, really. Seven days is a is about standard. And when you get to like 10 or 14 days, that's a really long cruise, in fact. And I think that's because of the differences in vacation time. I know that in Europe and in Australia, you guys get months of vacation in the summertime, and we do not get it. It's more hit or miss in terms of vacation time, so it's kind of a difference. Although, back to your comparison between Rhapsody and Radiance versus Freedom, yeah, it's a massive difference. Freedom is a huge ship compared to those classes of ships, but the great thing is there's a lot to do. I mean, the the upgrades to Rhapsody and Radiance, I'm not sure if you how recently you've been on those two ships, but the upgrades should help bring them a little bit higher up in terms of what's offered, but yeah, you're right. In terms of size and amenities, quite a big difference, but you know, I, I really feel like the great thing about a Royal Caribbean ship in general, regardless of class, is there's a kind of a common feel among all the ships. They all have that little something that kind of ties them all together, and whether you're on you know, Radiance class or Freedom class or even the new Quantum class, you know, they all feel like Royal Caribbean ship. I hope, that, I hope that makes sense because it's kind of just one of those intangibles. It's hard to describe, but they all kind of have the same basic DNA, if you will. And that's what's really cool about cruising with Royal Caribbean. You always feel like you're at home on them. So, Mick, thank you so much for the email. And of course, we want to hear from you. If you want to uh, email us, of course, you can email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Also, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. It's the best way you can help out the podcast. helps get people to see it all elsewhere because they'll get notified that, hey, look, there's a new cool podcast out there. So if you give us a rating on iTunes and give us a positive rating, that's always good as well. I'd really appreciate that. It helps the podcast go a little bit further and reach more of an audience. We can get more people and uh, get, introduce some more friends into our little community we've got here. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg. We'll talk again soon. <laughs>